right. Well, we have a very special guest today in this episode of the Digital Recruiter Podcast. I'm joined by Daniel Miller, who's the co-founder of Empowered Staffing, and he's also the founder of Recruiter PM, an ATS CRM for recruiting agencies. He is just an awesome guy. I've gotten to know Daniel over the last year, year and a half, and we just collabed, thought on the same level as he's building up his software and digital recruiters being built up and kind of sharing ideas. I've learned a ton from him and just really respect the way that he operates. He's super sharp, has seen it all. It just has some awesome tips with building an agency, ATS, what to look for with the email piece of it, especially with all those regulations, with job boards, how to get the most out of that. There's a ton that we're going to talk about today. This is going to be action-packed. So um, I'm excited for all of you to meet Daniel Miller. Daniel, thanks for being here, man. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here after watching you so many times. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm 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 excited to talk. I, I feel like we should have just been recording all our conversations over the last year or so because it, it would have just made this a lot easier. So I'm glad we decided to actually press record and yes. just get this stuff out there because I think what you're doing there's so many so, there's so much software out there. Every, a lot of people trying to make a software play. And I want to get into how you got into recruiting, but just like from that piece of it, I'm excited for people to hear your story because like you're doing this as like, it's like, it's as you, like, this is everything, like, right? Like you wanted to do what wanted to build. Um, so like, talk to us, like, where, where did this all start? Right? Like, how did you even get into this whole recruiting thing? Sure. Well, it's a crazy story. And it starts off when I was 15 years old. I was, um, I know, right? I was, I was in high school and I just switched from private school to public school. And I was used to going to school till like 5.30 every day. And then all of a sudden it switches to ending at 2.30. And uh, the, the, the topics were a lot easier than what I was used to. So I started taking all the different subjects in school to the point where I wanted to drop out. I thought it was boring. And the principal tried to get me engaged with school. And the only way to do that was uh, he thought of a great idea to get me involved in a uh, company to learn real skills so I could leave school every day and actually get, you know, a, a real life job and, and learn things that were practical. So I left every day at 10 o'clock and he got me a job at MRI Network, a, a franchise office, which is one back then one of the larger uh, recruiting franchise, uh, you know, companies. And I started off as a researcher intern and I, I moved up the moved up the ladder uh, over the years, but I was the the Boolean searcher. I was the sourcing guy, the guy creating all the backup tapes on cassettes for the ATS system. So, you know, that was my start essentially. What? That is you're the youngest age of someone I've ever get into recruiting that I've anyone I've ever talked to in my life on this podcast or other. Uh, you, you, it may be the first like recruiting apprenticeship I've ever heard of in my life. Uh, that is incredible. 15, 16. What that I did. I didn't even know that I should have asked this earlier. Um, I'm almost glad I didn't though. What that is fascinating. So what was it yeah. like being in that environment? Like you know, MRI has been really successful and has some really successful people. Like what did that do for you? I mean, they get like that business sense of what you could make in this industry of how crazy it was. Like, what were your thoughts like walking in there? Walking in, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Like every other person probably on your podcast says, right? They don't know what they're. And so 
that was true. And I was really young. All I knew is I wanted a job and I wanted to learn. And so, you know, going in, I was with a bunch of older people who were hiring and they were trusting me to do things, you know, to make sure they were successful. So early on, I learned how to work with you know, people older than me that needed a lot out of technology. And I was the guy that was essentially helping with a lot of the transition to get people, you know, to use more tools and more technologies than ever before at a time where it was kind of at the cusp of LinkedIn. And so it was a really exciting time because, you know, in the early 2000s, we were bringing in crazy amounts of technology to keep up. So it was, it was really an exciting time back then. Wow. So, I mean, you, I mean, this, already explained so much as to kind of how you're doing what you're doing now. I mean, you, you started out this way. This is an evolution into um, kind of how you, you got into the industry. So you, you move up the ranks. Did you recruit like through college? Did you take a break and to get back to it? Like, how did you decide to kind of make a career out of it? So the whole time I was in high school, I stayed at the recruiting firm. I moved up into corporate training. I taught other offices and other recruiters how to do things better with technology, with their ATS. I was the guy trying to make sure that they were maximizing their use with their ATS over the years. So I moved up into, again, training and recruiting management, just helping people. I wasn't the type of manager that would just like uh, care about metrics, whatever. That was someone else. I was more focused on how are you going to be successful? You know, yeah, they, they're telling you to hit your phone time and all these other other things, but I'm going to tell you how we're going to do it, you know, and I'm not going to make this a nerve wracking process. Let's use tools and resources. So I did that for six years in MRI. Then after MRI, I actually, I never thought I was going to leave. I thought I was going to stay at the company forever. Um, and I had a unique opportunity to finally help a startup company. And with MRI, that franchise, we worked with like billion dollar companies, mega corporations. I never understood what it was to build up a startup. That wasn't something I learned. And I wanted that. I craved that experience. So I became a corporate recruiter. I got recruited out, became employee number two at a company called buyhappier.com, which became Digital Brandworks and sold. But essentially, I was employee number two at an e-commerce tech company that created a SaaS platform to help digital brands sell better on Amazon. And I was the guy that kind of helped them build out their company with all the employees. So I was a true corporate recruiter. So I went from agency to corporate. Then I had to bring on software as a corporate recruiter, more HR style, right? And vibe. And we built it up. We hit Inc. 500, fastest growing companies in America. We hit 40 plus employees. And when the company sold, that was when I, you know, parted ways, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, all right, I'm, I, you know, I'm out of here. This is this, this uh, mission accomplished in a sense. Uh, totally. But I yeah. had a blast. I modeled our team's culture with our executive team after Zappos. So I hired people trained by the Zappos culture. So as a corporate recruiter, I learned how to hire around like building culture up too. versus as a recruiter, we're just kind of hiring, hiring. So I got both sides of the coin, which was good for me, you know? Well, so how did that start? How did that impact you? Because I don't know if you went built your firm right after that, but like, I guess kind of going back to the agency, how did that impact you? Yeah. And kind of change how you operated. I didn't think I was going to go back to agency. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know that was going to happen. And then when the company sold and I didn't really want to do what they were part of at that point, which is more softer focus versus having like our e-commerce operation, which was, you know, a different world at that time. Um, you know, it was just a different vibe. Hiring slowed down and I decided it wasn't for me. 
And uh, they still needed me though. So when I left the company, they asked me to stay on as like a contract recruiter. And then when that happened, other firms found out I was doing that as a contract recruiter. And so a bunch of companies uh, locally started calling me saying, hey, I knew you built up that e-commerce company. Can you do it for me? So all of a sudden, e-commerce companies, ad agencies started calling me to start building up their teams because those industries were really picking up back then around 2012 when the whole transition to e-commerce really blew up essentially. And so our whole business started really blowing up in the digital and e-commerce realm and then working with you know, those types of companies, but it was very organic. I became everyone's corporate recruiter. Then I couldn't handle it anymore. Mm -hmm. And so my sister, who um, was the number one sales rep at Cengage Learning, which is like top three publisher in the world, right? There's like, uh, I guess you could say there's Pearson and McGraw-Hill that everyone knows, right? Every test, every college. And then there's Cengage. So Sarah worked there. She's number one rep. And they wanted to keep on promoting her. But being a mom, it's hard to travel and be promoted and, you know, do yeah. that type of life. So at the same time, this business started blossoming without me even selling my service, just organically. And I couldn't handle the growth. So Sarah came on board, took over the whole client piece so I could focus on the recruiting operations side. And then we essentially built an agency together and believe it or not, she fired every client of mine basically and restarted our whole agency to make it more scalable. But still, you know, it was a really fun experience to kind of build something from an organic start. I mean, it's so many, like just so many lessons there of just, you do good work and word gets out a little bit, right? I mean, it, it's sometimes as simple as that. Uh, you know, you get yeah. so worried about getting your shot. It's like, well, what are you going to do when you actually get that shot, right? Uh, you know, that there's that piece of it that I'm hearing. There's like really getting into your sweet spot of recruiting operations and kind of like, all right, I've sold enough. Like, can someone else please do this? Like, you've always struck me as someone that you really know your lane from having done the work and knowing what you want to do more of and want to focus on. And it's kind of like the humility of like, you don't need the ego boost of like, well, I sold all these clients and this is how we do it. And like, all right, well, there's a better way. There's a better way. Like I'm all, I'm all ears. Right. And, and like, that's just all incredible lessons. Like terms of like how you operate as a successful recruiter and owner. I think that's what everyone listening to wants to know. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun adapting. Yeah. That's, that's what I can tell you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, th there's a lot of different ways to go here. So you you do that in 2012. Then, I mean, you guys have been running this thing since, right? And I know I see Sarah stole hands on. You start to build out like more and more of the operations. What inspired you to be like, well, we got to, I just got to build this thing. Like this AT, you're a recruiter PM. Yeah. You know, before even building it, there's so many challenges in a recruiting firm. I think it's kind of best to talk maybe to challenges and then to talk to the positive spinoff company, you, you know, you, you but, take it away, my friend. Yeah. Okay. All right. So there are challenges in building a boutique recruiting firm that everyone knows that yep. they're getting into as they're getting into it. Sometimes they don't think about it, but it's happening on the go. And that happened to us. So let me hone in on what I'm talking about. The first thing is, is when you get your first client, you're kind of in freak out mode. What resources am I going to buy? What am I going to, what am I going to use? Well, let me use the most affordable thing just in case, because I'm a contingency recruiter, right? This became something that was a little bit scary uh, as a vibe. So 
you know, what we did was, you know, thank goodness we, we focused on what are the best resources that will give us the best ROI. And because of my years of being in the game, I went with one of the most expensive resources. And that was one of the scariest moments of our life as a recruiting firm, actually, is signing the LinkedIn contract. It was Oh my God, I was terror. I was like, it's DocuSign, but I was like, oh, like, what yeah. are we doing? But I knew that if I signed that contract, the ROI was going to boom, right? And then there was other things like BD and sales. That's a scary thing. How do we do that? Cold calling? Okay, then we're going to be like every other schmo. What are we going to do to differentiate? And that became another challenge. How are we going to do sales and BD? You just fired all my clients. You, you said they weren't what we want. And that's a weird thing, but it was a great thing. She focused on quality clients that had great companies that we can really build up and take on. So, you know, that was a challenge. But again, through all these challenges, I focused on what software, what technologies to help us, right? So in sales and BD, we needed a strong CRM ATS and I brought on an ATS and that was also scary. Like, a, a monthly fee, um, you know, and then, you know, contact enrichment and then our first recruiter employee, right? All these things, all these challenges that we constantly took on and, you know, swallowed, it needed a technology to kind of back it up and to manage it. Because in my opinion, people process technology, right? And, and let's say I'm an awesome recruiter. That's great, but I can't scale myself without a team and without technology. So, we went to the market. We brought on an ATS. I have to say that, you know, I worked with a lot of the same ATSs for so many years. I'm not going to badmouth any one of them. They're all wonderful companies, great founders, great people. That wasn't my thing, but I was never pleased. And my the people I've ever always trained, they were never pleased. We always wanted essentially something that to, to solve all these challenging points, to ma manage all those challenges, team management, this, that, whatever, but in one software. So I didn't have to get 20 different app markets, marketplace apps, right? So in 2019, because we were spending so much on so much of a tech stack that I didn't even, you know, we, we kind of started looking at it. I decided let's, let's make our process better. Let's make training better and let's create an all-in-one so I can onboard recruiters faster. And uh, let, let's just make it a, a better experience as, as an agency owner. So essentially, we built a software for ourselves. And then when our clients and our HR departments and everyone started seeing it, they were like, you guys are morons. Take it to the public. Everyone needs this. So, you know, that's when I really left the company. And I, I had my sister take over the staffing agency. And I just focused on the software. Yeah. And, and I know you've been all in. And I love what you touched on with the tech stack and how scary it is and but also just the way you look at ROI, it's a post I, I, I had this morning, which was everyone's always at, well, what's the ROI? What's the ROI? The ROI is what you make of it, right? I mean, if you can't be enough of an adult to be like, all right, I'm a recruiter. My people are on LinkedIn. I'm going to get LinkedIn recruiter. Then it's up to me to figure out how to get the ROI or up to you because, you know, whether it's that or sales navigator, like you got to do something right? As you mentioned, you don't have to do all the things, but you have to do something right, to kind of help alleviate. But like you determine getting the URI. That's why I switched from telling people, you know, I'm big on sales navigator. I don't care if someone pays for a recruiter, but what's your plan? How are you using it? What's your approach, right? Are you trying to get quality clients? Or are you trying not to get quality clients, right? Like, how are you discovering that? Are you going to leverage LinkedIn content? Are you going to maybe think about automation or no automation, right? Or are you going to optimize your profile so the people you send those emails to actually know what you do, 
right? And why they should respond, right? There's so many of those. It's like you can actually determine your own ROI. And that's what I, I, I know you just, you kind of glossed by it. You're like, I, I know I was going to sign out. I was going to get my ROI. But like, that's why. Because you're that type of person that it's like, I'm going to figure out how to get the most out of this. It's like every step of the way, like if that's the mindset, like you're going to have like, you're going to have success, right? And you're also going to kind of know when it's you or when it's the tool, right? Or maybe it's a little bit of both. A recruiter needs to push. That is so important. We need to push to find softers and technologies never thought about. We're, we're the investigators. I remember at 15 yes. years old, I was given a list of companies. I had to find every superintendent on site building construction Walmart projects, and there was no Zoom info, LinkedIn. No, I had to make phone calls to navigate, and I was able to do it. But that was really hard and challenging. And nowadays we have so many tools. We just have to push through, find the beautiful things and then maximize use. And then all of a sudden you're going to see beautiful things blossom. That's what I say. You know? It's like, it's like the science is the, the tools are like the science of it. And then how you have the calls, how you have the conversations, how you post content, like that's the art of it. And you have to have both. Right. And I see people get in trouble when they do one or the other, like solely or too much. You got to find that harmony behind having enough tools to amplify your efforts with, but also having the art of it. And that's the relationship. That's the communication. That's, that's, as you said, that we're discovery, we're investigators, we're, we have to do that to make the match. We have to, you know, making a job switch is a huge deal. Like bringing someone on your team is a, it's a ton of energy into all that. So we have to really respect what goes into that process and the amount of energy it takes, right? So it can't just be scientific and cold, but it can't all just be, you know, well, we love everyone. And so that's why we're doing this. It's got to be a healthy balance. Uh, and, and that's what's believable. That's what stands out. And that's what's the most effective. I agree, you know, and it's funny because back in the day, they used to say like, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to be a recruiter. And I used to think that I actually used to think anyone could be a recruiter. And now I don't think that anymore. After the hundreds of recruiters I've trained and everything, it's like you need the tech whiz. You need the sales genius. You need the content guru. And you need the product manager that knows how to do things to build beautiful things out of people, which because the person becomes what you're presenting. And, and that hybrid of a mix is is really hard to find and also hard to train. So, you know, it's important to find the right soft skills, but right technical skills. And that's what makes it a tricky yeah. thing these days, right? It's all, it's to to hire the, the, the strong people. Yeah, you got to have the mindset. You got to have the heart for it. It's, uh, you know, anyone can call themselves a recruiter, but not everyone can be successful. I would say like low barrier to entry, but a high bar to success in this industry. And that is... That's just the truth. And part of what I call my program, like our, our 90 day, 13 week, you know, uh, program is it's a revealer. I, I don't promise you ROI, but I can promise you it's going to reveal where you're at in your business and what you need to work on, what your strengths are, what the gaps are. And we'll help you. We'll help you leverage your strengths and we'll help you understand how to fill fill in those gaps and, and shore up those weaknesses. But like that's what we can do together. And that includes done for you type work. Even if we help you write content, right? You, how are you engaging in that content? Are you following up with people? Do you also have outreach going on? Like, even if we help you do some of the work, you still have to be invested. You have to lead from the front in recruiting. Whether you're a solo recruiter and you're just dealing with clients, or solo recruiter with some assistance or some VA help or whatever else or 1099, or you got a team of 20 under you, right? You got to lead from the front. 
And as you said, you got to discover, you got to have the the capacity, the ownership to be able to do that. So I mandate anyone that brings on like their recruiters, like they have to go through it themselves. Like a, a leader has to be in the program with a producer to get the absolute most out of it. Right. And I to have their that. team. So like, it's like, it's just so critical. I'm, I'm happy that you also said that too. You know, a lot of leaders, a lot of managers create KPIs and goals. They don't look at ratios. They look at totals. They've never done it themselves. They don't even know what it's like to do a Boolean search on LinkedIn, Indeed, or whatever. And then they they have goals like this. But, like, who's sitting down with that recruiter to make sure that they can handle those goals? Or maybe the goals aren't attainable, but the manager needs to. So that's why there needs to be, like, a level setting with management and recruiting with with, you know, all levels. And having a coaching company like yourself that can do that with people at all levels is so important. It's like the aha moments uh, that we need. For instance, I talked to an executive the other day and I hope if he watches this, he doesn't get offended that I'm bringing this up, but he didn't realize that like, okay, he wants to send out a bunch of connections on LinkedIn, but how's your SSI score? If your social selling index score is not high, you're going to be limited on how many connects you can do. And then you're going to get blocked. And then it's going to look like you're a robot. And so like sometimes even managers don't understand simple things like, you know, the SSI. And then all of a sudden they're getting their people blocked on LinkedIn and this and that. So management understanding the technical and all this stuff can also help teams really you know, flourish. And, you know, hopefully we can touch on some stuff over, over time oh, in the future, but it's, it's good stuff. I promise. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I looked at, I had just had to look mine up. I hadn't checked mine in months. Cause it's, I'm I hope always, you're in the seventies. I am. I'm, I'm always at like 79. They've only let me be in the eighties a little bit, a little no. bit, but I'm stuck at, I get stuck at 79. I, I really have no idea why. Uh, we're in the same boat i'm stuck in the 70s also i can't ex- i can't get out i don't know i hit 80 once i was like i did it and then I, but i have no idea how to get there uh it's uh, yeah i have no but i'm in the top one percent but it's uh but that helps I, you clark yeah. you can connect you can send more you can search more you can view more profiles so if you have let's give your situation let's say you have a chrome extension okay which every yeah. ats should have a chrome extension Based on these things, you can actually view more profiles and download more PDFs. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's uh, they're little helpful things, you know. It's uh, it's uh, all those things, right? So I'm, I'm. Uh, Christina loves the the sale, the SSI on our team. So uh, she, you, you got two peas in the same pod right there. Also loves tech and ATS. So no surprise there. Uh, but yeah, I get the 25 with the build relationships. 16 with engagement with insights, which is kind of surprising. I think I need to do like LinkedIn articles. Is what I think what I was told, like have an article because I don't have any. And that's supposed to kind of, you know, boost me up or whatever. But for anyone that doesn't know, that's for me, that's in Sales Navigator. And then if you click on your little profile picture, it says social selling index. If you're listening and wondering how to access it, can you access it without Sales Navigator? Google, yeah, Daniel? just Google, just Google SSI LinkedIn. You'll get your first thing right away. Don't even, anyone can get access to it. And they should. It's also great when you're on the job hunt as recruiters, because then you know, you know where you are and if you should be more active, more engaged. Like, how are you doing in your industry as a recruiter? You know, that's a good one. I like that. Uh, It's yeah, it's a good it's a good, you know, good thought with the job search, especially recruiters listening to this that might be looking like, you know, engage, connect, all that good stuff. We don't post content. Uh, It's it's so powerful. It's so powerful. Um, All right. Again. We can take us a lot of direction. Let's. You want to cover? I know this has been a hot topic this month. You want to cover the email piece, right now? Yeah, yeah. Let's right. let's go into email. I think yeah. it's fun 
to talk on stuff that people are uncomfortable with, but everyone's doing it, you know? So. Yeah, well, I don't do, so I don't do much with email. So I, this is where I lean oh. on, on kind of people like you that have done more, engaged in it more. I mean, my, most of my email is really just a warm email. I don't really touch much in cold email at all. My thing is LinkedIn to get the warm email, to get the warm calls. But yeah, talk to us about kind of what the changes that the regulations and kind of how you guys are, how you're attacking them, right? And how you're working with them. So cold email is a strategy for both recruiting and BD sales. And cold emailing could be done without even realizing it sometimes. The idea is cold email means the person's receiving that email and doesn't know you, right? If they didn't opt in to receiving communication, it's automatically cold email. And that means you have to add here to all the spam rules of America, if you're in America, if you're in Canada, you can't uh, you can't even cold email a consumer. You can only do businesses, and that has to be like there's so. I mean, actually, Canada, I I highly not do you know definitely stay away without reading all those rules. But depending on what country you live in and the country you are messaging, you really have to look at every country's uh, rules. You know, everyone has their own set. In America, every single email, they have to have an opt-out, right? They have to have your contact information, your address, all of that, right? You have to honor the opt-outs. People sometimes don't honor the opt-outs and, and that's the whole thing, right? So little things like that are important, but then like even more so, there's there's a lot of... um things on compliance that are just killing people. Like for instance, if your deliverability rate is below a certain amount, let's call it 0.02 on the Mailgun servers, they may kick you off a Mailgun. So even if you have uh, an opted in list, but the emails are old and you're starting to get bounces, that can hurt your whole domain. So you really want to look at compliance on technologies that can do email verification for you before you send out also. Because again, even little things like that can hurt your whole domain and what have you and and mark you as a spammer. But there's a lot of things like those elements that are really important to dive into. And that's why I even created that fun little guide to help people because everyone was asking questions on this, you know? Oh, oh that, and I love this, the value that you share in the Facebook groups on LinkedIn and these guides. I mean, it's such a... It resonates with me because what we try to do and I, like I see your stuff and I'm learning from it. I'm like, this is great because this is stuff I don't really cover, but I can share it with my crew and my people and like they can learn. How are you tackling that like with Recruiter PM? I mean, I've got to imagine like something like you've been working in the weeds on and fixing. Is that like something that you're fixing, but you know, not everyone else in the market is fixing? Like, I guess like how to, you know, how, how are you guys addressing it? And how do recruiters like know if, they're in line with their system because they're probably just assuming that their software has them in compliance, right? So it's an issue. I think a lot of people use an ATS and they use the Mailgun servers and all these things, but it's against the Mailgun user policy to do cold email. You can't do that in your ATS. It's against uh, the, the policy of that mass server. The mass servers in an ATS um, and the whole goal of that is so you can send out 50,000, 100,000 emails in a second, but that's only meant for newsletters, people that know you, what have you. Those servers do not allow cold email. If you go to any one of those websites and look at the terms of service, and if they find out you're doing it, they will kick you off. So even if your ATS allows you to do mass email and you're doing cold mass email on those servers, you're really not allowed to. How people really need to do cold email, and it's it's complicated, but it doesn't have to be. So I'll break it down into easy, right? Step one, 
buy alternative domains. .io's and .nets are wonderful. They they give more credibility than uh, others, right? But um, I would say you know .net, .io, other .coms, but you want alternative domains. You would then want to, with those alternative domains, not send out any emails for at least a week or two. Like you, if they see you start sending off on a brand new email account right away, they freak out. And then you want to essentially warm them up. What that means is, is you can use a warm up service like warmy.io has it, or um, instantly has their own built in, Lumlist has their own built in. Uh, Smart Lead has their own built-in. All the cold platforms have it built-in. And what warming up does is it starts sending off emails to a bunch of people that are real human accounts. And it starts seeing if it lands in spam. And if it lands in spam, it takes your email out of spam, puts it in the inbox, and it trains the email servers that you're a real human doing good email. And then it replies back and forth to show engagement. So that's now, listen, it's a little bit, uh, you know, gray area, but there's all the companies are doing it. I don't allow that in my system. So I always refer people to other platforms that do email warmups. But every system has uh, either an email warmup or will refer you to a warmup. And then once that's, you know, uh, starts going, they make sure you have Daykim, DMARC and SPF uh, set up. Which means nowadays you can't send out email from your email unless uh, these things are set up to show you who your brand is, who's sending out email to the servers. So you need your tech guy setting it up right away. Every company needs this, even on your normal email server. You need the DMARC setting set up, the SPF, because that tells uh, all the servers going forward that you know, you're a real person and there's a company behind it, what have you. But the warm-up servers will help you with that process too. So if you're not technical... You know, it's nice because they'll make sure everything is set up. But those are like some of the beginning steps, you know what I mean, to, to set it up. And then you have to start following um, the limits. Like Outlook and Google have limits, but if you go to their limits, they're going to think you're a spammer. So the goal is to do very small amounts of cold email every day. So if you have three to four domains, each domain is sending, let's say, 20 to 30 pieces of email a day. That you're able to send out 100 emails a day because you have three to four domains doing it. So a lot of the cold email platforms will allow you to add in multiple email accounts and then it will spread the load of emails across all the email accounts. And so this way you're able to do cold email across more and not have a domain get blocked. I mean, what I, my takeaway is because I'm not the email stuff i would rely i would i would honestly i would hire daniel to take care of my email stuff before or to look at it, make sure i'm in compliance is targeted list you gotta just instead of just spray and pray like i can reach out to everyone this is where we always talk about targeted lists like know your value prop know your icp spend your time prospecting intentionally and curate that list and you'll get way more out of the cold email You'll be within the limits and you'll actually get some, you know, actual ROI, some responses that you want from it, right? Yes. You know, people are making lists of 200, 150. That's cool. But lists of 50, 100 people, that's great. And, you know, the, the next thing is, is you just need to make sure, like, everyone's using SalesQL, Apollo, Contact Out, Exact Buyer, Lucia, Zoom Info, Interstellar. I don't care who you're using, but you do want to make sure the emails are verified because if not, 
there could be a thing where your emails get blocked because you're sending out too much bad emails. So you do still want to pay for an email verification service. It's so cheap. It's nothing to ever be worried about. But you want to make sure you're then only sending emails out from those lists to only ones that have real verified emails. Yeah. I mean, tons of gold. Do you... Now, would your platform verify? Like, I know sometimes the verification can happen within the system. Sometimes it's external. Do you have like a preference on like kind of who you go to to verify emails? So there's a lot of companies and now there's even companies that are like doing it better than others. And they're, and I'll tell you what I'm trying to say. There's, there's a lot of email verification companies and they're all great. Okay. And they're all pretty much the same, but then there's new companies out there that say that they can, you know, sometimes emails are catch-all emails. Let's say, Clark, you're an owner of your company. You may have your emails, the catch-all email, right? Uh, so if anyone sends an email to any account, it will come to you if it's not a real account. A catch-all email is taken out of email verification sometimes. Um, and, and then you can't send it out to a real email address. So sometimes the email verification platforms will take out a chunk of actual good emails that could be sent out. Um, so, you know, it's really important to go with a very strong platform that has a good algorithm that's actually testing out the emails. So you'll find a platform that sends a fake email, almost like a, a ping to see if it's real. Those are the best, you know, um, and there's a lot out there, but, you know. So the answer is message Daniel on his LinkedIn and ask, and he'll give you the answer. And he'll give you a couple of recommendations. So we're not calling out anything publicly. Uh, that that would be the move if you're listening and curious. Always happy uh, to help on that, but it's important. I, yeah, no, it, it is. And I know things are evolving and changing. So what you say now, if someone listens to this in a year, it could be completely different. Right. So you don't like that's totally makes sense. Uh, but no, you, you answered yeah. it well. And for any specifics, you know, they can message you directly. So that 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 works. Um, yeah. I mean, it's 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 you know, you want to use a good vendor, but you also have to be smart about when you're sending sending hours, sending days, not weekend emails. You know, all those little rules, compliance, how you write your content. I'll let you and, you know, your team talk about content on that. But all that is almost just as important as the technical. And if that doesn't work, nothing will work, you know? So the engagement factor and how you write and the content, you know, that needs to be a whole nother take because no matter what you do on what I'm talking about, the technical, you know, if they don't follow, you know, your advice um, on the other side, it's actually a scary game. There's no point to do email then actually. <laughs> yeah. Know? If you don't have the what's in it for them, it doesn't matter. Right. And right. remove as much of what's in it for you and add as much what's in it for them. And there's, you talk about science and an art, there's a whole bunch of that. To that. And that's why we do what we do. Um, there's no one catch all messaging, right? There's a, there's a framework and there's processes and then there's trial and error. And it depends on your industry, your skill sets. And as you said, the only way to do is to push, but be smart in how you push, right? Do you want to have burnout? Do you want to get blocked? Like, do you want to ruin your reputation or are you going to push? Cause you can, I think people get confused. They don't have to push this whole huge push every single day, but you can just chip away at it every single day, like a little bit by little. And like, you'll get to where you want to get to, uh, you know, cause just like with a, a role or qualifying a client, right? If you rush to 20 roles and you don't qualify it and you get no placements in six to eight weeks, 12 weeks is you didn't do the, your due diligence versus someone that gets three roles, but they're intentional and they take it one by one and they capitalize all three in six weeks, it's like who actually won, 
right? Well, it's pretty obvious when you place it, but some people see the number versus the quality piece. And if you have the quality, the tools nowadays reward that quality every single day. That's what they reward. And that that's the balance. So true. Cause nowadays open rates aren't real. I mean, I'm the one developing Ooh, and playing yeah. with it and I see it. Uh, first of all, it shows sometimes an open based off of the platform you're using or how, you know who the person is. Sometimes some, a platform can open the same email multiple times, whatever. So, you know, reply rate responses is what is telling you, like, what's happening? You know, am I doing the right thing in my content engagement? And so, you know, the the truth is, is whatever you just said is what will what will allow success to happen in the email game, you know, Um Funny thing is, is I didn't want cold email in our platform. I wasn't allowing it because we're a Mailgun partner. Um, so, you know, we tell all of our users, no cold email, sorry, right? And then I realized people want it and they're using all these other platforms. So, you know, I, I started doing all my research to make sure my users weren't burning themselves. So over the years, I've had to just make sure they were okay. And while doing that, I actually added in a bunch of cold email features in Recruiter PM. So this way they didn't have to have as much worry moments like verifying emails before they get sent out and things like that. So, you know, essentially a lot of those things are so cru crucial to recruiters where I had to turn them into functions. And that's why I had to become a research nut. And I'm literally on SaaS pirate web, you know, WhatsApp chats with thousands of SaaS founders talking about email marketing pretty much 24 seven now. So, you know, this is, this is my life. I, it's when you go in, you go all in and that's what totally. I respect about you. And that's why we get along and, you know, we just talk about this stuff all day. Cause I'm the same way. I don't know if it doesn't make any sense to me is how I got into all this, but I love it and I like it. And, you know, I can help a few people along the way. So it's like, all right, well, that makes it simple. Right. And I can try to overcomplicate it. And I think you've kind of like found same thing, like your lane. It's just like, I don't quite know how this happened. It started when I was 15 and now here we are, you know, a few years later. So uh, it, there is something about just owning the problems that you solve and want to continue to solve. Uh, that also just resonates with people. I think that's just like a good like business development lesson. It's just like to go all in, like with whatever you're doing in, in recruiting, like just own it and, you know, be proud of it and be open to learning more and solving and giving to give and not giving, expecting to receive and take back and, um, you know, all, all those little things. And when you do that, you can have a pretty crazy network uh, of oh, people yeah. that, that, that'll have your back, that'll buy from you, like all that. It's pretty cool what can happen. Oh, I mean... We in the in our own agency, you know, uh, before I got into the software company, everything was partnerships. I we didn't cold call, we didn't email campaign. I mean, I had to do this with people over, the, but everything we did was like, what are we putting out to the universe? Getting written up in our content was king for us. So getting written up in articles, writing in Forbes, for Forbes, all of that. But um, partnerships took over our sales process where like people knew like, oh, you need a hire call, call Sarah and Daniel. They will walk you through. Even if you don't use them, they're going to make sure that you will hire that person. So we became known as the people that you just go to and they'll make sure you get that hire with us or without us, you know? Yeah. And I think when you become a resource like that, you'll never have to worry about sales. It just, it becomes really fun and organic in life, you know? I mean, you get that approach. It's like, who's not going to want to hire with you at some point? Like, that, like that's the key. 
And, you know, I, I, I do, it's like, it goes back to, you know, I said it on I'm sure many episodes, I have said it over and over, but like the, one of the biggest mindset shifts I have to help recruiters that are struggling with BD or trying to get more understanding how to replicate getting more of their good clients is I always, it's the candidate test. You target a hiring manager, they reply to you, I'm actually not hiring, but I'm looking for a new job. How do you react? How do you feel? And if they're like, oh, I'm so bummed or it's stupid, you know, I'm trying to just get a client. I'm like, okay, well, they get a new job and in four months, they're going to have 20 open roles. How does that change how you react to them? Oh, well, I guess I, I would talk to them now. Exactly. Right. So infer that that's how it's always going to be with them. So if you're targeting those people, they might not be hiring right now, but they could use your help. And sometimes it's a test. Sometimes they're testing you to see how you as a recruiter are going to treat them if you have not, if they have nothing to offer you in that moment, quote unquote. Right. But it's like that's the mindset you have to have. Right. Because that's how the hiring managers think. That's putting yourself in that person's shoes. Right. Because that's how they're going to assume you're going to treat candidates for roles that they have that they give you. Right. And that's how the best clients are going to think. So I I know you you and Sarah live that day to day. I mean, probably ingrained in you. Right. But as you kind of break down the why, I hear the opposite a lot. And it's honest. I I would actually say it's probably the biggest hurdle I see most often with people trying to figure out the BD side of it. I'm like, that's how you make it consultative versus transactional. Um, and sure, sure, there are boundaries at some point, but they're not even close to getting crossed, right? In the beginning, if you take like 10 to 15 candidate calls. It's the long-term versus short-term game. Are you an employee or are you an owner? Are you yeah. running your desk or are you just like, this is a job? And like, uh, yeah. if you have that long-term game where like interns matter, people in college matter, they're going to be VPs in five to six years because everyone's going faster in life. I am helping people by the hundreds Every couple months when I was a recruiter and all those people are huge today. I don't care who the person is. Help everyone. And I promise you the long-term game is everyone will help you. It's just this, you know, cyclical, beautiful, karmic world that, you know, you start living in when you start realizing everything's this energy of like giving, taking, you know, it's, it's a, it's a really nice thing that starts happening that synergistically happens only as a recruiter because you're the one talking to hundreds of people and then people ask you for jobs and ask for help and who cares if you're a niche recruiter help them everyone whether you're niche or not will help you back in 5 10 30 50 years or not maybe in another lifetime but it's so important you know it it, it is and it's like i think sometimes when people think like they have to go do so much to help sometimes all i do when people message me about a role you know a certain industry i was like look i I don't recruit day to day, right? So I'm not going to pretend that I do, but I know this person and that person and this person on our team could help you, right? Like connect with this person on our team, connect with these other recruiters that I know, be connected and message them. Like, just like I can kind of just pay it forward and open their eyes to someone else. I don't have to take on that whole responsibility, but I still help that person, right? Maybe they've already been connected, but I vouch for that other recruiter, right? Or maybe they weren't connected and that's it. And maybe that other person doesn't have anyone right now, but it's like it's someone else in their network. Like it could be that, right? It's a sliding scale. If someone is really like responding to the help you're giving them and kind of giving back in a sense or putting in that work, then I help them more. Maybe I hop on a call. Or there's like more rel- more things I can help. Like there is a little bit of that sliding scale that you just kind of have to go with feel a little bit of, of the time, especially in the beginning. And it could be, you know, and who knows how it could work out, right? But just kind of like diving into that, like, is 
is huge. And you do it as a muscle. You kind of have to practice that mindset a little bit. But, man, it is so worth it. It is so worth it. Yeah, I – it's, it's so important. I was actually talking to a CEO of a, of a top ad agency that specializes in HR tech um, and HR software and everything like that. And they touched that whole world. And I think he gave me more than ever this whole, this idea that like, you know, build that brand. Brand strategy is important. It's not just like, let me tackle and just get that sale and whatever. Like, who, what is your identity? What is your brand strategy? Do you, are you known for what you do in a certain area in your location? If you walk out the door, you know, you could be the most famous person on your block. And that means more than being, you know, whatever with a couple random people across the world, because that will build your community to spread your name. So sometimes that brand identity, brand strategy, if you start on a local level in a certain small community, whatever, you know, it, it does tons for you. But when you take that brand strategy and identity on every conversation, who am I? What's my goal? What am I trying to do? It really elevates your your company and it takes you to a place that thinks you beyond the typical like what pay-per-click model that we're all so accustomed to that we all survived on the last 20 years, right? Like if I it's lead conversion, lead conversion, but guess what? It's not about lead convert. Let's get these people, all the people that know about us ahead of time. So when they become a lead, they bring us first. They're not comparing us to 20 different other people. Exactly. So it's like, how do we get them here? And that's what I love your stuff for Clark and all your pot, you know, everything you're doing on content. Cause that's what your focus is on. And that's what will bring success. Yeah. It's how do I cut the line? I mean, that's really it, right? How do I cut the line? How do I almost eliminate the rest of the line? Not physically, but just, you know, like it's not even, there's no other option, right? It's like, you know, it's maybe I don't need a coach, recruiter coach right now. Maybe I can't invest in one right now, but when I can, I'm going to Clark. Right. And that's, that's what I want, all right? Or someone stumbles across me, they see the content, and they're like, they're ready to invest. I'm like, that's who I want to work with. And I'm like, great. Like, I cater to both, right? And I'm co completely okay with that. It's not catering to the result. It's catering to, as you said, the brand identity, the process. And Which is a 12-month game. It is not overnight. It's, it takes at least a year. People need to invest in this. And yeah. I've been doing it forever, and I'm still nowhere close, honestly. Yeah. But it is a 12-month game, and I'm, I don't work for your company, so I can say this. If people are looking for quick, you may get quick. But if you do 12 months, that next year will be so kick-ass, you won't even realize how much business will be coming in, you know? Dude, it, dude, it is so fun. It is so <laughs> fun. I can't believe it. And I look yeah. back, and, man, I was getting calls, like, pretty quick on all this stuff. But, I mean, I did some pretty good leg work, and I was in it already. But... Then I hit the six month mark and then I hit the year mark. And now it's like, I can just push. I was telling Kevin, a content coach the other day, like, I was like, oh, it was down last week. The algorithm got jacked up or whatever. And I never really blame the algorithm, but it is what it is. I'm like, I'm going to push it this week. I'm going to kind of see what I can do. I'm like, sure enough, I see them rise again. Like, it's just like when you have it that dialed in, it is so fun because, you know, you can kind of, it's, it feels like a superpower. But then on the other end of the equation is I get to talk like I've had calls today. I've loved every single one of them. I've talked to people that bought the course in December. I've, I've talked to you on a podcast. I've talked to current clients, right? Like people that can be prospective clients. Like, And it's it's just so fun because these problems are, to me, are worthwhile solving. And in our industry, when you solve some of these problems, they're life-changing for, for revenue and money. And, and you could go into a different stratosphere. 
at times. And so, like, that's what's, like, amazing to me about all this. This thing times, like, I can have this much fun, help people solve some problems, and they can make some life-changing money at the same time. It's like it's like a trifecta in a sense. It's like, what else could I ask for? So, right. You know, I know you're doing kind of some of the same thing with everything you're doing. Um, and, and I don't know, maybe that ties into maybe some of the job board conversation because that to yeah, me, it does. I didn't even know how to stop. I'm actually going to learn some stuff here in the next few minutes as you talk about it. Like I've I'm been excited. wanting to talk to you about this. So give us yeah. the job board gravy. Okay. If content is so amazing and crucial and posting is kind of hard because you have to be creative and you have to think and you, it takes a second, then you're judging yourself for the next two hours and then you have two people see it, whatever. That's like the content game for recruiters, salespeople that we all know and love. But there's a content game called job descriptions, job posting. There's a content game called employer candidate experience where what you say on your website and how to engage, right? And so let's talk to that side. So first of all, branding and brand identity. If people constantly see that you're posting jobs and your jobs are everywhere, guess what? They're always going to think about you, employers and candidates, right? Like, you know, there was a moment where I was constantly posting e-commerce buyer jobs and buyers buyer. I was hiring so many buyers for retailers people that were unemployed and people that were about to hire new to call me. It's like, go there. You know, they're always posting. They always, they probably know, you know? And so the benefit is if you post constantly, you will become known without any money. I mean, that's the freebie. Now don't post fake jobs, which I know people may get that idea from me saying that. Please don't. I used to play (laughs) with recruiters that did that and it's mean and it's cruel. Don't do it. People should only apply to real jobs in life. But the the job world has changed okay there's a lot of unemployed people over the last five years that applied which means they were put into their databases so all these job board databases became humongous so all of a sudden you're a blue collar recruiter you can't find candidates because guess what it's busy season and blue collar world right now like hvac hot as hell right now uh you know electrical plumbing you can't even find them if you wanted to right but guess what when there were moments of unemployed times, all those people applied in all those databases, ZipRecruiter, Indeed. So guess what? Now you have pools of crazy amounts of people to tap into and the job boards that previously applied that maybe some people don't think about. I had one firm, they were on Indeed spending $30,000 a year, didn't even do resume search. That was just job posting. I got them into doing searching and po- you know sending out messages. Now they're making $700,000 a year off of Indeed. Okay. That's just one example that you can make off of Indeed messaging. It's not a joke. I did the same thing with LinkedIn. They didn't realize the in-mail potential. They were just posting jobs. We did in-mail. Now they're at 900,000 in revenue just in that channel, right? I have lots of examples because I try to put people in lanes based on where the people are and the industry and job boards, believe it or not, when you find your niche industry and where people are applying, go inside like Dice, their platform has great developers and whatever ready to go and then use your contact enrichment tool, whatever, and boom, make a cold call. But, you know, having access to these pools of people that may or may not be on LinkedIn is important, right? So that's one conversation. But the next thing is, is every ATS has organic job distribution. Okay. Which means if you have it, use it when you have a job in there, I don't care if it's going to be confidential, post it, let everyone know you have that job. It's free. You know, every ATS has, and if they don't, I'd be shocked. Okay. Then let's say you're not getting enough results. Start building relationships with really good job boards, build a relationship with LinkedIn job slots work. 
Build a relationship with Indeed. When you need it, it works. Build a relationship with ZipRecruiter. But also, don't forget about the programmatic marketing players in this space. This is fun. There's a lot of uh, pro, uh, programmatic means you are distributing um, the job. Well, programmatic job distribution because programmatic marketing is something else. But programmatic job distribution means you are taking a job and spreading it to all the niche job boards and the right job boards based on a budget, based on the role, based on the job description, and it's optimizing your spend. So when you're used to just spending, let's say, X amount on one of the major job boards, $400, you're stuck. You're in one place, right? When you work with a programmatic vendor like AppCast and all those places, um, you know, and I built AppCast in so with a button people can programmatically distribute also organic, but when I worked with them and I built that partnership, I learned like they're doing AI optimizations, finding the right places to send the job to. So again, now your name is being spread, brand identity, going to niche job boards, and you're hitting up populations of people that you never thought of before. Um, because based on the city, state, industry, a certain job board will be more prevalent. You know, sometimes, believe it or not, I had more luck on Craigslist finding talent for certain roles. That's what I'm not we used gonna... to do back in the day. Yeah. So. You know, it depends on so many, but that's why job boards are amazing. Everyone should build a partnership with the right board for the right industry you're in and at least start with the organic, get people applying for free. I, I'm seeing recruiters making hires every month off of organic posting, you know, just use chat GPT, have them make your job description, take out your client name and then boom, but it will change life. I, I promise you it's, it's awesome. You'll get clients and candidates from this. I love it. And to take it one step further, because the chat GPT can be good, but having that human touch, I've seen, I remember helping one client that was spending, and they're spending 60K a year on Indeed. And just by changing their job description with their content, some of the writing, they cut that spent to almost nothing just because we fixed the job description. It's crazy. Just some of that, learning some of that copywriting, that content, ChatGPT can help, but also learning some of those fundamentals can help you and take it another step further. Yeah, you'll hurt yourself with ChatGPT in a lot of cases. People yeah. are using it to create candidate emails, this, that, and all of a sudden their response rates go to zero. And I'm like, yeah, you don't sound human anymore. So, But yeah. you are so right. Genuine, good content that's unique, that comes from a strategist, will always get you the ROI that you really need, you know? Yeah. And use it ChatGPT as like an input, as an idea generator and giving some framework and some structure or coming up with that writing and, hey, can you just make, you know, format this a little sure. bit better? I love it as checking a spelling and grammar whenever I actually do yeah. do it. When I remember to do it, sometimes I just hit post and let it fly. But it's been good for like emails and all that to kind of check like, hey, what did I miss here, right? Or proposals or anything else. Yes. So um, yeah, it's just kind of that blend. But as you said, kind of that push, that digging is going back to earlier, like that recruiter that is like really hands on. Don't let, don't just rely on the AI, but, you know, work with it, incorporate, you know, yourself with it and like understand it. And that's, that's when it becomes even more effective. And then you do what you're telling with the jobs and kind of just putting yourself out there, like all these pieces come together. That's how these crazy results, 700,000, 900,000. That's how it happens. Yes. Yes. And it's not hard. It just takes some focus, some focus. time and some, a little investment, some conversation, whatever, but it is fun. I've been watching, you know, what you guys have been putting out and I'm realizing like, this is what our industry needed. 
right? I And I'm not trying to whatever, but it is true. Like, I think a lot of recruiters cut themselves short on content when they know so much. I mean, yes. they're talking to so many candidates. They know more about the industry than the market researchers do. They know when companies are going to be sold and acquired where they could make an inside stock trade and make a couple million bucks before the stock traders. Yet, yet we never put that information out, which we're not allowed to, but we don't even do it in thought leadership when we can and we should. And, and you know, the job description is one of those areas that's like the recruiter lazy area that everyone has. I think most recruiting firms have this lazy area where like they don't do it because they got the client job description. Then they have to reword it and then make it confidential. And then maybe they don't even have access to post. And all those challenges should just be taken out of your mind. You know, like yeah. you just need to start doing it. It will it will generate so much, you know. I, anyone that's needing a ATS that's thinking about switching wants to evaluate their own anything else, please, please, please message Daniel. He'll set you on the right direction. He will take care of it. As you could hear from this, just like hour of just absolute gold after gold soundbite. And you know, he's lived it. He's in the trenches currently. He's been in it. So uh, please reach out to him. Dude, you are a wealth of knowledge. This is like has to be part one. I'm already trying to figure out how to bring you on as a digital recruiter coach immediately. Uh, I'd love to conversation. help everyone. Yeah, no, it's we're gonna get you folded in more, and I, I got some like fun ideas and for what we can do when teach and add value. And there's such a some different components, and I really see this digital recruiter brand as being it's not it's not just me. I never want it to be my name. That's why it's digital recruiter, not Clark Wilcox. Uh, it's because I just know what I know, but there's so many different things. And I've talked to a lot of recruiter coaches recently, and I've seen we have coaches in our program talking to you. Like we can kind of really hit this every step of the way at every step we can give someone an expert, right? That's legit. That's good. That, that is in it for the right reasons. And I think like that's the vision and we can do that. It becomes really fun to do all this and to win and, that spreading of that, that's how you change the industry and like the tone of the industry and how you respond. Because if you do it that way, candidates get better experiences, clients get better experiences, and then there's better companies and there's more pride. And Lord knows this world could use it, especially this country, because it's just chaos right now. There's such a distrust that's like you just do it kind of this way. I'm not naive to think we're going to change the whole world, but like you could change your world and the people in it. That's a good start. Yes, yes. And the best way to make those changes is to have mentors and, you know, people that are there to coach you. So I have to say thank you for doing this for the industry. We needed you. We needed your platform. It's going to be a lot of fun to see you build out your training community of instructors. And I will do my best to keep on finding people that I think would be fun and send your way to be part of that community of instruction. I appreciate it to this point because you definitely sent me some awesome people and, and refer me. I just have some great conversations with and okay. appreciate your time and just all, all the good stuff. And I, in so many ways, this is just the, the beginning, uh, which I'm really excited for. So dude, I appreciate you coming on, sharing all the wisdom and uh, just for being you, man. Thank you so much. It was great being here and I look forward to more.
Likewise. All right, Daniel. Thank you. And we'll have his Thanks. profile website. Yeah. In the, in the episode section, check that out. Uh, you know, make sure to, you know, thumbs up five star, whatever, whatever the rating system, whatever platform you're on. Uh, we appreciate you listening in, supporting the, the podcast. And uh, you know, if you have questions for either of us, always reach out anytime on LinkedIn, you know where to find us uh, until next time, you know, happy hunting guys.